bottom line. Welcome everybody to the bottom line. Uh, so thankful for your support. Please go in and like and subscribe because when you do, you help us with this thing called the algorithm that the overlords control and try and censor and make sure people don't see good things like you're going to see today. So please like and subscribe, share the content and always go to helpjbm.org and stand with us in the fight against human trafficking. A lot of what we discuss on the show is tethered to or circles the world that feeds human trafficking, puts children at risk, uh, and really just frankly breaks down our culture. It's called the bottom line because we get to the bottom line. Thank you so much. I want to start the show with thanking Patriot Mobile. Thank you, Patriot Mobile. It's the only Christian conservative cell phone provider in the United States. Glenn Story and the guys at Patriot Mobile and the girls at Patriot Mobile are going to give you excellent service. Uh, they've got a special called Every Friday Matters. It's not Friday but it still counts today. So please check it out. Go to patriotmobile.com, mention the bottom line or patriotmobile.com forward slash the bottom line and you'll get a special deal. If you're worried about cell phone service, they use all the major carriers towers. You're not gonna see a difference. I'm on it, I love it. I got 5G in areas where I didn't have 5G on Verizon and I don't have to worry that the money I paid to Verizon is going to Planned Parenthood and to organizations that do not believe what I believe. With Patriot Mobile, it's going to Judeo-Christian-centered organizations. They've been to the border with us. They've literally been with us on rescue missions. I've watched them feed the poor and the homeless with us. So check out PatriotMobile.com. It's because of sponsors like them that we can bring you the show. So thank you so much to Patriot Mobile. Stephen Matthew, welcome. Um, Steve Burris, Matthew Easter, Matthew in the hat, Steve, that looks like he potentially formerly works for an agency. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Welcome, it, to, welcome to the bottom line. It's a secret. Thank you. <laughs> I, I don't know. Won't I, be a secret too long. No, <clears throat> not too long. But but welcome, guys, to the bottom line, and thank you for your heart. And you know, you've you've. You've come to the ministry, you've joined in prayer meetings and breakfast meetings, and you've got a heart to, to what I think do something really special um, in, a, in a very unique time. We are gonna tackle some subjects today that's tough for people to consume, but they grapple with it because I don't know that they get truth around this a lot. And, and then if they get truth, it's highly censored, it's mm -hmm. redacted, you know, they're lied to and fleeced. And so, I want to jump right in and then want to go back a little bit into history if I could. But mm -hmm. we are going to talk about how do we keep schools safe? Mm -hmm. yep. And how do we keep schools safe by still being lovers of the Constitution, lovers of our amendments, especially our Second Amendment, the right to defend and protect our families, sound, intellectually honest conversations about just what's the what's the state of the nation from that regard um but i do want to get into your history a little bit maybe mm. steve first sure just the the desire to serve where did that start i mean i <clears throat> my dad was a pastor and i kind of grew up in the church and there's always we were always doing various uh service at, things organization helping out organizations yeah. and and all that kind of stuff and <clears throat> stuff through the through the church and then uh as i went through 
college and everything, I had an interest in doing law enforcement or maybe medicine. I had a lot of scattered interests. And uh, I ended up becoming an EMT and working as an EMT for uh, on an ambulance for about six months before I got hired by the Border Patrol and went from Chicago, Illinois to South Texas to Brownsville. Oh my goodness. Yeah. When I got my all orders. The way, all the way down. All the there. way down. All the past Mexico, actually. Right. Okay. Because, yeah, I mean, pretty much. You, it's it's kind of like Northern occupied Mexico. Uh, exactly. Yeah. El Paso is North of Brownsville. Exactly. So yeah. Trying to explain uh, the distances to people who aren't familiar with Texas is it's huge. difficult. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was, uh, it was eye opening. Uh, you know, we started, you know, I was a kid and what, what year was this? Uh, 1996. So this is ninety-seven. This is under under Clinton. Clinton. Yeah. That's right. Yes. January eighth, nineteen ninety-seven was my EOD date. Okay. And so I did about three years in the Border Patrol. Uh, I was part of the medical team that got stood up there in the in the Brownsville sector. Um, all that stuff has since morphed into Borstar and and some other uh, technical organizations that have gotten very good at finding people out in the boonies that are yeah. in in need of help and mm -hmm. getting the help to them. And then, uh, you know, after a couple of years in the Border Patrol, I started looking at other federal agencies and, and I actually applied to DEA and to the Secret Service at the same time. Never, ever applied to two 1811 jobs at the same time. There's a lot of work going into both things at the same time. Yeah. So uh, <clears throat> I, ended, I figured I would get the DEA job and Secret Service was my long shot. And it went exactly the opposite. And I ended up in the Secret Service and spent the next 22 years in the Secret Service until I retired in January of 22. So. Thank you for your service. Thank you. Um, I want to get to the Secret Service, but because of what we're dealing with the border at the moment, I do, in the show today, want to get your lens, just recall memory to, to those years under Clinton and kind of what the climate was on the border what some of the policies were back then, the belief systems and that and that kind of stuff. But right before we get there, um, uh, Matthew, your history, kind of similar. What what does that look like? Yeah, so uh, I got my certificate in therapeutic intervention uh, back in 2007 and uh, started working for um, a mental health facility for teens. Um, definitely not as cool of a background as Steve's, but uh, it was more geared towards serving. Um, mm -hmm. <clears throat> and I'd always felt a calling to serve. And before I really had uh, a, a relationship with Christ and before I, I really had, you know, a, a knowledge of my long term purpose on this earth and what I was truly being called to do, uh, there was always a desire to help serve in some capacity. Um, and from there worked. Was it was it always youth driven for you was it was it aimed towards youth mostly? Uh, at, at first it was i and i think that's just from being a, a big brother my entire life uh, i mean I, I have a little sister that's as young as 15 and uh, another little sister that's as wow. old as 33 so yeah, it's a quite, big, big big spread yeah mom mom wasn't done yeah so yeah. um and then i I've, I've got a little brother who's 24 and so my entire life you know uh, wanting to be someone for someone that I wish I had had when I was going yeah. through my, my parents' divorce. And, yeah, and I can relate. Yeah. And a lot of those hardships growing up as a teenager. Yeah. Uh, so I just knew that I wanted to be that person for other people. I wasn't sure really what the, the, the capacity was. It didn't really matter. So worked for a lot of uh, different organizations, uh, worked in the school system 
uh, for a while and then from there transitioned into working with adults adults with with uh, um, autism learning disabilities that 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 kind of thing and uh, then worked at a homeless rehabilitation center a gospel uh, homeless uh, rehabilitation center yeah so from there it was always serving working for a church serving in the church in in some capacity but just knowing that you know, uh, once once I, I had that that pivotal point in my life where I realized what the purpose was for my life, and that's serving God. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it it was uh, it, it was a pretty big change. I I I I like the combination here. You know, and we we're going to get into you guys are an organization together, but I like the combination of of the look this pastoral history here too. Church foundational church, but you go into not just the corporate world you go into you know the government right for many many years yep. right and so that world the blend between formal government you know corporate and private sector and then the nonprofit world for the mm-hmm. most part mm-hmm. i think is uh, the two worlds that have to collide more mm-hmm. because the learn share the information share in between the collaboration there is really it's cultural mm-hmm. And, and it makes, I believe, for a better blend of problem solving. You know? yeah, absolutely. And, uh, it, it just does. Because <clears throat> we look at things through different lenses and angles. Steve, Secret Service, how do you encapsulate that to somebody that only understands the Secret Service through born identity and, you know, <laughs> and, and through my, movies minor, and television? Minority Report and CSI Miami. And, you know, give us a, give us a, an overview i mean i i deal with so many of these guys but i want the audience to just i want to reshape lenses a little bit i want people okay. to understand because every day i hear well they should do this and i go that's not what they do they should do them you know right. pe- people will attribute things to the fbi on foreign territory and i go and i go time out <laughs> you just you know secret service so <clears throat> the best explanation to that I give to people who are interested in joining the Secret Service is to put on your best suit, go out in your backyard, and stand there for eight hours, regardless of what the weather is. You don't get a bathroom break. You don't get to do anything else. You just hold that position. Because 90% of what what we really end up doing is static security like that, where you're, you're holding a position, and there's a reason why you're at that post, and you can't leave that post. We try and- Because you're being dependent on to secure Correct. That particular perimeter. Right. And, and yeah, you, you have are, to hold that are, line. You are trained to an exceptional level. Yes. To have both the wherewithal to acknowledge, recognize, and then execute when it's to execute. You know? Right. Yeah. There's, uh, so it's a hurry up and wait business for sure. Very much. Yeah. It's a lot of boredom, a lot of long hours, and punctuated by some moments of excitement. And you know, if there's a if there's excitement at your site. It's usually not a good thing. No, we're, we're, you, you don't we, really we like boring. That. Yeah, yeah. We want it to be very did you, boring. Did you have any? And I, I've got a, a really good number of friends, and there's a couple quirks will come in. You know, I got. Did you ever have some things within your regimen of getting ready for your day? I mean, I've got a couple friends that would label their socks left sock, right sock. You know, and, and at least in, you know, in the military, and and it's it's like. It's a routine. Hey, we had a really good work. Uh, some of my buddies have been on presidential detail, you know, and they go, it was a really good week last week. 
and superstition creeps in. I'm going to do everything mm -hmm. I did and don't change anything. And a lot of that stuff, you know, because it's so routine, but it's also routine for purpose because it's repetition after repetition after rep it's like it's like being proficient in a firearm it is absolutely muscle memory did any weird things ever come in for some of your buddies or you like that oh yeah there's always characters and in, in jobs like that and there, there's guys that uh everything in their suitcase had to be individually sealed and they were afraid of putting them in in drawers where they because they didn't want to get Bed bugs, which was a real concern because yeah, you're all yeah, over the world. All over the world. Yeah, yeah. all kinds of conditions. Yeah. And, you know, there's there's uh, people that get very uh, focused on, on that kind of stuff and very much into the minutia. For me, I tend to be a little on the ADHD side. And so I had to – it took me a little bit as a baby agent to figure it out, but I needed to have a routine of be, the night before I left on a trip – I had to set everything out, make sure I had everything, everything was in its place. And then I returned everything to the right place in my backpack and you know, just finding my own way of That's dealing with habit. that so I don't forget things. And my bag is right here, <clears throat> right? And mm -hmm. and it, it's and I think that's drilled into us through you know, different different countries even, but in, in that space of of military training. That backpack right now, I can go in that backpack and I will know if someone's been in it or not, but with something moving. Right. I mean, I know where each pen goes and it's not OCD. It's just, it, it's dependable. Right. Preparation. It's yeah. dependable. It's, it's like, you know, and, and I know husbands are going to relate to this. <laughs> you know, your car keys are not where it's supposed to be because your wife drove and it doesn't matter to her. And you go, dang it, this is, this is where <laughs> it goes. It goes here. Right. <laughs> But but it's to another degree and level because in that moment of unwanted tension, there's no time. Right. It's react. It's execute. Mm -hmm. It is all about the training. It's no think. It's just go. And so super high stress, long periods of time because it's imminent. W when? Right. What? You know, and, and, and normally vast spaces in front of you covering a lot of territory. I always say that, man, being on presidential detail on something like a campaign tour. Oh my gosh, it's insane. Or or Trump walking into the UFC. Right. If anybody's ever been to anything with Trump or any president, it is. I mean, when we're in the Washington Mall for like March of Life, I mean, it's four, four and a half hours of security clearance just to get you know people in because it's just it's the space is so vast. Right. So it's all that kind of stuff. Uh, I just think a lot in the movies. <laughs> You know, people, you know, I'll, I'll see agents go, yeah, that's not quite. It's no, not it's not quite how. Quite how we do it. Okay. I mean, there's some liberty taken there. Right. How did you get together? What's the focus now with this vast history of defend and protect? Your background in, in Secret Service, your history in serving the broken and, and, and the hurting, right? Mm -hmm. You come together with a focus on school safety. Yeah, so uh, I, I started working on this project right after Uvalde, and I think that was a big call to action for a lot of people, and it really highlighted the the real issues with school safety that really weren't on the surface. Um, so I, I started doing the the research and development for how to you know open a nonprofit because it's what was familiar to me. It's 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 what I know, and it's where I learn leadership and how to build teams and. And uh, and and do everything necessary to running a a nonprofit, and 
um, came up with the idea of a community. So we're, we're a 501c3 that focuses on community-funded security solutions for schools while simultaneously providing veterans with employment opportunities. So I, I wanted a way to bridge the gap between local communities and schools because there are plenty of resources out there. And <clears throat> having worked in the school system in the past, I, I know that there is a, a gross misallocation of funds. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. And it's it's one it's, of the departments within within the federal government and state government where there is the most waste. Yeah. No question. Absolutely. And and just knowing that I wanted a way to be able to laser focus um, uh, funding to actually solving the the issue so i just started getting together with a lot of friends from church uh a, a lot of friends that were you know a dea secret service um, um former uh, you know military special operations guys and started putting our, our our heads together to try and develop something and uh, i founded the organization <clears throat> and then opened up the security company under the ownership of the organization and then after that time is when I actually met Steve through a mutual friend uh, who, who he worked with in the, uh, in the uh, Secret Service. So he you know, liked what I was doing and connected me with, with Steve. He and I you know, met up uh, and um, from there, you know, he has such a heart for what we're doing. And I, I, I think that men of action and kingdom men attract other men of action and women of action. Um, you know, when, when there's a specific calling and you step up to the plate, I think that that, that speaks volumes to, to other people and they see that you're serious, you're onto something. And it wasn't really difficult to get the, the group of trainers that, that, that we have now. So Steve is one of our, um, official instructors for the organization. And we'll, we'll, we'll get into that, um, alongside checkmate training group. Um, who you you met yeah, most of them? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so checkmate training group are are you know tactics guys. So all you know special operations guys. Uh, they're what they call themselves as the knuckle draggers of the uh, the group. <laughs> so just big tough guys uh, doing really cool stuff. Uh, um, we've got Ezra Penn, who's uh, uh, he was a former recon sniper. He's OGA right now, working uh, uh, contracting, doing security for uh, and. Uh, three-letter agency and um, we have Tyler Clickamp uh, who is um, he was a, a, a fire team leader for the the Marines he was no 311 uh, then we have uh, Justin Barron uh, who was uh, 82nd Airborne uh, served with third Special Forces group uh, in the in the Army and uh, just so, some of the best guys you could have in your corner that have a heart for training other people and protecting children and really loved what we were doing and and Steve being the other portion of that who who just has a heart for you know solving this issue Steven you know when we look at all these different branches you know of of service the Navy the Marines Army Coast Guard you know I think a, a you know a branch that's highly underrated sometimes in the work that it is Coast Guard I mean they do a tremendous amount of work the mentality shifts, you know, the, the drive could be the same, but for you stepping from secret service with that absolute meticulous, you know, kind of routine and structure into this nonprofit world, right? Now, granted it's training, but it's still, it's, it's, it is a different culture. Oh, you definitely. Know, yes. It's not federally funded with 
who knows what today printing funny money and you know mm-hmm. whatever it's a different animal the nonprofit world's a different animal has that transition been for you or, or has it been pretty seamless uh, the whole transition out of uh protected federal job and opening my own company and then getting together with Matt. And it's been extremely eye-opening. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been getting a deep education on business and marketing and uh, especially difficult is, you know, and I think that some of the checkmate guides have some of the same issues where, you know, we, we were in the background and you never t- really talked a lot about what you did or, or who you did it with or where you were. And, and then all of a sudden now you've got to market yourself and, and talk about all the things like, you know, the day to day was if you started patting yourself on your back too much, everybody that you worked with is like, oh, well, we did the exact same thing. So who are you? Yeah, exa- and, exactly. <clears throat> you know, it's just uh, it's trying trying to uh, find ways that you stand out and that you do provide something different and then trying to figure out how to monetize that and it it's been eye-opening and it's fun and it's frustrating and uh seeing the nonprofit side where we've got to be going out and talking to people and selling our vision for what we can do in order to protect schools and in order to protect kids like my youngest son's about to graduate from high school this year so i won't have kids in that system anymore in in the k-12 system but you know he's going to go to college yeah and yeah you know, we've seen what is what is your uh, open open question? So <clears throat> the journey the journey of protecting schools for, for us and we've been in the protection of children for a long time in trafficking, and that's in all sectors and all walks of life. Children are being exploited and trafficked, including the school system. But mm-hmm. when when the American school system, because I didn't go to school here, my siblings didn't go to school here, my wife did, you know, and and it's American born. But when it became personal school safety to our family, my wife is a writer, is when, when, when she was asked to study and then write and co-write the, the story of the Columbine shooting. Mm. And so first mass modern-day recorded history American school shooting, Eric and Dylan, the two shooters. <clears throat> and um, I'll never forget... You know, for over a period of a year, you know, my wife got access to Rachel Joy Scott's diary, diaries, the boys' writings, their diaries. You know, so we we had a lens, a unique lens into their lives, into what they said to one another and how they wrote. I mean, over a long period of time, for to go write this movie. And and um, it was it was traumatizing. But it, for me, it was, I also recognize, yep, a, lo- a lot of it blends over to how a predatory abuser becomes an abuser, where mm-hmm. the mind goes, what are the triggers, what are the footholds for evil, mm-hmm. Satan, to come in and twist and mess with the mind. And so, but that shooting put us in a different awareness for school safety back then. Yeah. And that's... L- long before Uvalde and Nashville, right? But I see the same tendencies. It's the same it's the same drivers. The 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 the, the psychoanalysis, the human behavioral science behind it, the conditions and the environment that feeds into it and all these things. I mean back then Eric, both these boys extensively wrote about 
their addiction to aggressive gaming. Mm-hmm. The, and, and, they, and they plan through the games on even, you know, moving through the school, their own school, you know, and planning on who and who not. And then, of course, targeted Rachel. And, and so uh, un- unbelievable, you know, sobering situation when you then look at Uvalde and you really start looking on the metadata and behind the scenes and the things that people didn't want to talk about. And then you look at Nashville and then you go, okay, why is the FBI not releasing a manifesto? Mm-hmm. And, and, and how <coughs> politics play a role in this stuff, yeah. right? And, and I say all that to say is it, it has now created a very challenging environment, high need for keeping schools safe, very challenging environment to do so because politics is involved and stuff so much red tape so how are you navigating without sharing the gusto special recipe here right how do you navigate that space at the moment in in school safety and what are you hearing Are, are you receiving support are you receiving pushback Who's the pushback from? It it seems like we're not <clears throat> we're not receiving as much support as you would think. You would, um, yeah, that's my point. Yeah, yeah, right. it's there's believe it or not, there's a lot of pride and egos that go into um, administration and the school systems, and and even when it comes to um, um, people that are heads of security for for um, ISDs yeah, because these ISD now have their own police departments yeah mm-hmm. right and, and and I have something to say about that in a minute yeah. we we do too um, so it's uh, it's 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 difficult in the sense that you know there's an obvious need that no one wants to address and you can see all, all of the the problems. You can see the perfect storm on on the the horizon. But we are so reactive in nature that we don't see the value in preventative measures. Mm-hmm. And that's a big focus of what we want to provide schools is preventative training. And you know that's why having Steve uh, be be a part of this project is so critical because the Secret Service has been tracking shootings and school shootings and 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 the the behavior behind it for over 22 years right so i mean yes. they're Pro- probably with a heightened focus since absolutely columbine mm-hmm. yep that's that was kind that, of the that, origin that of the, the national threat assessment center uh-huh, uh-huh. i knew that but i wanted you to say it mm-hmm. but yeah it that was like okay this is different children from the school mm-hmm. this is a different scenario mm-hmm. yes yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so uh, they they make all these reports pu- um, public, so you can yeah. you can look at the 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 data and you can know that it's unbiased. Um, so that's where I try to point people towards um, because they're su- they're all subject matter experts, but um, they have such a passion for um, prevention um, that it's 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 a it's a no brainer. And and Steve adds so much to this organization that that without him. We would just be okay. Well, we're going to try and provide security officers that are highly trained, but what about the threat mitigation portion? So, yeah. so we take an eighty twenty approach to school safety, where it's eighty percent preventative measures and twenty percent responsive. And under this model, we are going to provide preventative trainings 
two schools in emergency operations plans, active shooter plans. Um, we're going to provide risk assessments to where we can um, identify the vulnerabilities and physical safety um, of, of a school campus and even provide training and support for law enforcement agencies and, I, and ISD police departments. Yeah. So it's, it's going to be a critical component to school safety is bringing everyone together, um, not just school administrators, but also, um, you know, parents community community absolutely yeah, yeah, 100%. uh and then we, we need all eyes that are good eyes mm-hmm. on point absolutely mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and and then we're we're going to have our own component of of highly trained veterans that we hire through the security company that will be able to deploy into schools as armed security and and that that conversation you know we've we've um and I, and I mentioned Columbine, and then we mentioned Uvalde, and mm-hmm. then we mentioned Nashville, and and you know Columbine came out of kind of left field. It was just like, and, and now, you know, we're constantly at the blaze talking about also do not give the shooter attention. We don't mention mm-hmm. their name. Don't go there. Don't give, mention you know the, their names and 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 because th- there is so many factors in our culture. There's a massive mental illness crisis. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, untreated, undiagnosed, unrecognized mental illness crisis. There is a out of control opioid crisis. There is yeah. an over prescribed, you know, over medicated culture mm-hmm. where it's any day now you can go to anybody and three doctors are prescribing medicine that's working against each other. And it's just, it's, it's a cocktail right. mm-hmm. for disaster. Yeah. Right. Um, and then the most important thing for me is it's a culture that is straight from God and from morality and from saying, hey, I need help. Mm-hmm. You know, I need help here, you know, versus no, I've got it all figured out, you know, and it's my way or the highway. So the, the immediate approach is it Texas schools first. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So, so the the whole motivation behind me starting this organization was to protect my wife. She's a second grade teacher. Um, she has such a heart for serving. It's a good reason. Her children. Oh yeah. It's um, you know, I I selfishly want to keep her alive and keep her safe. And it's, <laughs> no, it's, it's your it's your job in God's eyes mm-hmm. to, to. It's a duty. To, yeah. It's a duty. And and as men, it's it's in, incumbent on us to. Um, always be looking um, how we can protect and provide for the physical, emotional, and spiritual protection for the people that, that we love and care about. And um, that, that was the, the, the number one reason why I, I wanted yeah. to uh, uh, start the organization. So, um, you know, that, that being a, a, a primary motivator um, really um, just kind of, um, you know, it, it snowballed into a lot of other things. And at first it was just an approach to physical safety and then not realizing the, the vast importance for threat mitigation. Yeah. And yeah. We actually came to the conclusion about the same time separately that we really needed to focus on that type of thing. And yeah, you know, my background is I've spent a lot of time doing intelligence, which in the secret services that isn't what everybody thinks. It's not being a spy and all that stuff. It's it's focused on threat mitigation, people who make threats to our protectees or mm-hmm. uh, have unusual interests and that kind of thing. And so it seems like a pretty good fit to 
take it and, and run and develop a program for our well, officers Steve, and schools. You, you, just, just on face <clears throat> value, right? On face value, this is America. I mean, we're, we're, we're the country with the most, you know, opportunity, resources, uh, you know, the the best constitution. There's no other nation with with a, a, a governance system like, mm -hmm. I mean, it's the best. But then something as simple as, hey, um, we're going to protect a high national asset mm -hmm. this way. Mm-hmm. But we're not going to somehow, 40 years ago, not in 2024, meet with the education department and say, hey, this is also how we're going to protect the most vulnerable and kids. And in 2024, we're having a conversation about these systems not being in place. Mm -hmm. Right. And then you scratch your head and you go, okay, somewhere, because they're in place when it doesn't even have to be Air Force One. They're in place when an NFL team drives through town. Right. So what, how, how is it, Steve, that the most vulnerable, our future children, somehow got relegated and missed the threat assessment, true, true threat assessment session of, hey guys, schools are vulnerable, way back. I'm not even talking now. Now... This carnage mm -hmm. before pre Columbine. I think pre Columbine, no, none of us. And I'll, I mean, I was, I forget what year that was, but I think I was already working in the Border Patrol mm -hmm. at the time. And pre Columbine, nobody really believed like something like that could happen. Mm -hmm. I mean, I remember as a kid in the 80s, friends bringing knives to school and oh, stuff. Yeah. And it, it was, I mean, they weren't supposed to, but but they did. But yeah. it was, but it wasn't to threaten people. They were they were showing them off, or they were playing exactly. with them, yeah. you know, things like that. And it never occurred to us that anybody would assault somebody with it. Somebody try and kill somebody in the school because I didn't grow up in a in a gang infested school. I mean, there were, we knew there were gang problems in places, especially in the eighties. But you know, it wasn't my reality. It wasn't the reality for a whole lot of people in across the country. And after Columbine, a lot of people recognize that it could happen, but then something doesn't happen for a while, and we're human beings. You see yeah. it all the time. Yeah. We lose our interest. We lose our focus on that. Uh, you know, <clears throat> right after Uvalde, I did a active shooter uh, training for like how, as an individual, how do you deal with an active shooter situation for one of my clients, and I had 70 people show up. Fast forward three months later, I'm doing a quarterly uh repetition yeah, of the yeah. class and i had 10 people show up mm -hmm. because there was a certain number of people that you know had it and felt like out of sight out of mind had, right absolutely and then nothing bad had happened uh you know uvalde was forgotten the allen mall shooting was forgotten and people were going on with their lives mm -hmm. and a lot of people like us keep those kinds of things in our in the forefront of our brain and, and worry about things like that and most people don't I, I really do get that. And, you know, we got you got Gen Zers today that granted they weren't alive for 9-11. But I wasn't alive for the signing of the Declaration of Independence. Mm -hmm. Right. I wasn't alive when the Constitution was drafted. Yeah. So what's my excuse? Mm -hmm. Well, I, I, I wasn't alive. That, that, that's asinine. That is a lazy culture 
that's not carrying its legacy and its identity forward by grandmothers telling daughters and fathers telling sons, son, this is why we have a Marine Corps. Mm. This is why men go and sacrifice their lives. This is why the police department is essential. There's bad apples in every walk of life. We've helped arrest pastors for human trafficking. The, the, yes, but it's 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 taught. It's communal. It has. This is why I told you earlier. You got to bring the community, and you are bringing mm. the community into the conversation of making mm. a school safe. It's not just perimeter and and security. It's community because it is day in and day out. It's an ownership issue too. Yeah. And so yes, yes. I, I get it that the public could go out of sight, out of mind. But then we have federally funded organizations where it is their job, their duty, by by vocation, to protect children. And then it still falls through the cracks. Mm-hmm. And now we got to get guys who are former. You know, Secret Service, veterans to say, all right, what the government taught me on on taxpayer dollar, they didn't apply over here. Now, after my service to the government, we're going to come and bring solutions to the government. Yes. Think about that circular situation, right? I'm like, and I don't know what the number is in Secret Service, but I've got a number for like SEAL Team 6, what the investment is into a Mm -hmm. SEAL Team 6 member. Mm-hmm. You know, by the federal government. I don't know if you've got a number, but it's for Secret Service. It, it's in the hundreds of thousands of dollars to train a Secret Service yeah. agent. It's a significant investment. There's unbelievable training, unbelievable training, and then and then it's these guys, post career, like you, who say, "I still want to serve, I still want to protect," and you got to come train the government. On, on on what they trained you on and so I'm just some the loop is broken it it's it's the ball gets dropped somewhere it's it's, it's laziness it's oversight it's too many moving parts I I don't know but if you ask me we're gonna go build a nation who do we protect first you, you gotta tend you gotta tend to the kids right. secure the perimeter hmm. help the elderly so we're only orphan mm-hmm and and so here we are now, solution driven. You guys are going to go do this. I I would assume, and I don't want to assume. Some of it is perimeter. Some of it may be technology, hmm. best practices, but prevention. So on on the actual perimeter conversation, there's <coughs> so much conversation. I, I had conversations with the NRA, with it with the Texas House, with congressional leaders about, you know, one proposal is hire every veteran. They're there. They're trained. Come on, guys. And you guys do hire veterans. Mm-hmm. Give these guys a life purpose again. Come on. Mm-hmm. They've, we've invested in them. They've given us life. Give them an opportunity. They want to serve. Then there's no, it's all technology. It's got to be all technology. Or, you know, it's got to be, you know, I, I've seen so many proposals. Oh, my goodness. No, it's got to be canine driven. No, it's going to be, you know, geofencing. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, there's, there's a constant one-dimensional approach for Correct. a three-dimensional problem. That's my what I'm trying to draw out of you here. Right. It's yeah. not a thing. Sing- this is not. There's no single one thing you can <clears throat> do yeah. to solve it. Absolutely. Nothing mm-hmm. in life works that way. You know? No. Mm-hmm. No, it's it's a complicated problem and it, it requires finesse and complicated solutions that may not apply in every single area. Like one school may need a different approach than Correct. another school. 
If you're in a school that's already plagued by gang activity and that type of thing, then there's a whole other set of issues than if you're in a higher, uh, wealthier community that doesn't have that overt gang problem. And there's still gang presences in plenty of schools without that being really overt and taking over. And that's where you end up with some of the trafficking going on that you talk about and yeah. the drugs flowing through the schools and yeah. and all of that kind of stuff. Because we can't pretend like the schools in the wealthier districts don't have their drug issues. Oh, so they do. There's, there's a lot of things and it, it's, it takes an ability to adjust. And, and I think part of it, like at a legislative level, Texas has pushed out a lot of stuff to try and, and help with the problem. But a one one size fits all solution doesn't really work, mm-hmm. and there has to be a combination. I've seen of I've seen a lot of movement. I've seen yeah. a lot of movement, mm-hmm. right? Right. But then I just we go to schools, we 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 talk to kids, we train, we mm-hmm. we train on preventing trafficking from happening, and then you look at the percentage and the numbers of schools that do not have armed individuals on campus. Mm-hmm. Still, right? Yep, still. Still, even with the state mandate, with the state mandate, still today, with a fifty-two billion dollar surplus in our education budget in Texas, Mm -hmm. the highest in the nation, Mm -hmm. and you go, you scratch your head, and you go, wait a second, what does wake up moment look like? Mm -hmm. And then really, I mean, okay, you could say, well, it's Columbine, it's Nashville, no, it's Uvalde, right. Right. And and now all of a sudden it and, and then still you find and then I find politicians on both sides yeah, they'll say we need to make schools safe. I, you know, I haven't recently walk, run into a politician that didn't think this was a priority. Right. Right. But man, if there's something I know about a politician is <laughs> you said it earlier. The the word in action mm-hmm. it doesn't always marry does up. Does not marry up, you know. Yeah. So the uh, Texas State University puts out a district audit report where they go and they audit every school district. And in the last district audit report, they audited 1,022 school districts. And only 6.5% of those school districts had a viable emergency operations plan. And less than 20% had a viable active shooter plan. So so right there, if, if you just look at the data, you can see uh, where where the, the, the needs are. So there's there's no threat assessment team. But Matthew, just in you saying that, mm-hmm. I, I can't I, I get to a different conclusion than gross incompetence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Or intentional neglect. So well, I think incompetence is, is, is definitely an issue. And we're expecting school administrators and educators to have a competency in school security and, not going and to. prevention mm-hmm. of and violence and all these things that, yeah, they they do not have the background. But for then it. I go to the Texas State School Board. I go to the you know um, the, the, the the organization to keep Texas schools safe. Mm-hmm. I go to the legislators. I go to the funding earmarking. And a, a good leader knows where he's vulnerable. And he goes, I don't know how to do this. Get me the best guy to do this. Mm-hmm. And right. just the self recognition to say, listen, guys, administrators are not. They're not armed forces they're not trained in the military some do mm-hmm. come back and teach but mm-hmm. i mean this is not the general rule they're not going to figure this out but this is what happens from a state department and from the state level they do um, um 
allocate the responsibility back to the schools mm-hmm. and the school board, <clears throat> knowing that they don't know. And not right. only on a state level. Expecting on... different results. That's the definition of insanity. So to my point, and I'm, what I'm trying to say is the importance of an organization like yours that say, listen, mm-hmm. we understand you all want this, but we also know you don't know how. Mm-hmm. And we do. And, mm-hmm. and, and we do, and we would like to come train you. Mm-hmm. Protocol. Just simple protocol. What, when? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do I do when this happens? Yeah. What do I do when that happens? You know, the Nashville shooter. Doors were locked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but your door's glass. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hello. Right. You shoot through glass. Yeah. Right. Not the barrier you thought it was. Mm-hmm. You know, and so, and so, yeah, but we locked. All those things, you know. And yes, there's incompetence in the moments too in this big discussion about Uvalde, was a door open and not open, all that stuff. But that's too late even yeah. then. Mm-hmm. Right. It, right? It's, we, don't let it happen. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's mm-hmm. one of the things I push when I do active shooter training for just, just at the individual level is in almost all of these instances, uh, both in, in plans that were disrupted and, and in plans that were carried out, somebody knew something people saw things and it wasn't reported to the people who would do something about it. That's right. It's one of the reasons why uh, Texas legislature and and the Texas uh, education authority is pushing for threat mitigation units around the state for all of these schools that they're being required to have a threat mitigation unit. Mm -hmm. And that needs to be more recognized and more visible. Uh, you You know, if somebody comes across something that is very disturbing to them you know we all kind of grew up with the don't rat somebody out Mm. snitches get stitches kind of attitude but this is beyond just that you know i spent a career in law enforcement and the focus of my career was in an area where we were not interested in arresting people Mm. when you're doing a protective intelligence investigation in the secret service your focus is on disrupting a potential plot not on arresting anybody if we could get somebody some psychological help, which uh, trust me, I've dealt with the difficulties of trying yeah, to get yeah. somebody psychological help yeah. and had family members begging me to get them help. And our hands are tied, local law enforcement's hands are tied. It's just, there's not a good mechanism in place to get people the kind of psychiatric help that they really need. And that's part of our problem. <clears throat> and another part is that reticence because I don't wanna be a problem. I don't wanna cause a problem to somebody else. But if somebody's doing something that is disturbing you to your core and or is you see a drastic change in a kid's behavior yeah. or a coworker's behavior, or mm-hmm. they start talking about doing violent things and and or they're becoming irrationally angry at things, give them the benefit of the doubt and get them some help. That's what mm-hmm. the that's what the idea is behind threat mitigation is to get them into diverting programs that can help them and prevent them from carrying out life-altering no question things no question the signs are always there mm-hmm. there's signals number one i believe evil has to announce itself number one i, I just i just it does and and i have never encountered a situation in anti-trafficking or law enforcement whatever where someone did not see something mm-hmm. it, it nothing just happens in a vacuum there's always somebody i mean he, he bought the material from somebody yeah he someone were like that's kind of weird you know that's he's been here before 
-hmm. you know mm -hmm. and, and, and it, it is but people chalk it up to well you know there's boston city marathon bomber after the fact they go yeah we went in his apartment we saw all these tubes and pipes on his kitchen table I'm like is that normal yeah. like situational awareness just a general conversation i believe that situational awareness for the general american is practically non-existent right from, from a perspective of could they spot something in a starbucks that doesn't belong and a lot of that is it's <laughs> I don't want to say engineered. I don't think it's intentional, but it's no. I don't think it's it's, intentional. it's yeah. you know we're so used to having our own personal screens in front of our faces. My life, my space, my way. Mm. Right, and I think it's 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 it occurs because we are very individualistic, and because one of our big things is I don't want to bother somebody else. You know, if you if you're the person running around bothering somebody else you're a Karen or you're this or you're that like you know you there's a but there's a balance between being too involved in everybody else's life and and not and not, and not and, paying attention and, and not, to anything and, and around you honestly frankly not not fulfilling your duty as a fellow citizen not as as biblically not mm. being an Ezekiel 33 7 man of God that stands as yep. a watchman on the wall and warns of mm. the danger there's, there's, there's serious consequences for these things when we abdicate our position. If you had to abdicate post, <laughs> yeah, that would have been that would have been bad. At another level, right? Like career career damage, and and serious yes. and potential right. physical damage. You could be the greatest investigator in the history of the Secret Service, but if you're uh, if you're a zero on protection, if you can't be relied on for protection. Your career is pretty much done. Yeah, and, or and someone can get hurt, and somebody could definitely get hurt. Something can go really wrong, and and it's too late when it happened. Mm -hmm. And so, so I, I I celebrate you guys for this proactive approach into hey, we're not here to usurp. We're not here. To, we need school. You do school. You teach math, science. I please stop teaching you other nonsense. Yes, let's get back to STEM and let's get let's critical thinking. But we do recognize that you need some support here. We have a common a common goal here. We want you safe as an educator, your mm -hmm. wife, because mm -hmm. it's not just the children. Mm -hmm. It's the educators. You know that Nashville school shooting. That the principal was the primary target. Mm -hmm. Yes. And, and and so and there's history there. And again, there was history. Mm -hmm. People saw stuff. Yeah. People knew stuff. Law enforcement saw stuff. Mm -hmm. Right. And this is why that that shooter wrote. I should have been stopped by now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You're talking about a mentally deranged person with enough wherewithal to write, I should have been stopped by now. Yeah. That's a big reason why they didn't want that uh, getting out. Of course. Mm -hmm. Of course. And and we've had a behind the scenes look into that and I, we know a lot. Mm -hmm. And it is, it is diabolical because when something like that then happens, the knee jerk by them is cover it up. And it's like, this is not, we, we collectively mm -hmm. as a community society we need to learn from this you covering it up is is putting another school in danger mm -hmm. right you know i i think one of the big issues uh, that we're, we're facing is schools are more concerned with their cya policy and just checking a a a, a box off so that they can feel safe um well we're, we're we're doing what's expected of us it's not enough and and it's not effective in, in the long run, but it's what's required of us. 
So one of the big issues right now is is a lack of law enforcement officers. So school school districts everywhere. Can't, yeah. Uh, well, we're just short everywhere. Yeah. Dallas they, is two thousand. Houston is three thousand. PD. Mm-hmm. Just PD. Short. School. So schools can't even put an officer on every campus to to begin with. So in in an attempt to be in compliance with House Bill three. Uh, and, and on top of that, um, we, we have districts like Denton ISD that have recently gone into deficit uh, over over one, I think it was 1.5 million to be in compliant with, with House Bill 3. So that's, these solutions aren't, that's not sustainable over time. Mm-hmm. That there, there, there has to be a long-term solution that's not only sustainable, but it's, it's effective. And our, our program would be able to solve that. With it, with it, with a Texas-centric focus first, and then obviously, you know, you know, once there's a best practice and a model, we always like to see that, you know, roll out and stamp right. out. Is is this something that you can execute on at a uh, ISD level? Uh, you know, ISD to ISD, mm-hmm. or even smaller school to school. It, <clears throat> so, it's it's up to the the individual school district. To so it's the ISD, d- yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's going to it, be that ISD, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And people don't know this, and and I mean, how could they? Because they're not being told the truth. But ISD police departments answer to the superintendent of mm-hmm. the ISD. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. We have over a hundred reports of sexual abuse, sexual vi- mm-hmm. violence with minors last year alone. Mm-hmm. To ISD superintendents that never reported it out mm-hmm. to outside law enforcement. And these reports came to campus police, ISD police, mm-hmm. that then goes to the superintendent and it dies there. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. When I see data like that, mm-hmm. that's when I call it gross negligence. Mm-hmm. Or it borderlines, it's, uh, it's intentional, because these guys frequently meet with a city planner they frequently meet with the city mayor. In our world here in northern Texas, they're competing for buco bucks. Mm-hmm. 68, $88 million football stadium for this ISD. Right. You know, n- notes over here, mm-hmm. communities being developed, you know, billion dollar mile in Frisco. You know, we want to move the PGA in here. We want to move Formula One in mm-hmm. here. You can't be telling people kids are trafficked in Frisco. Mm-hmm. This doesn't gel with the future of the city. Yeah. So it's a quick wink, wink, a meeting with an ISD superintendent, and mm-hmm. numbers are fudged 100%. We got proof. Numbers are fudged. The community doesn't know. And then all of a sudden, you blink and they go, well, they got rid of a sex offender registry over here. This. This is why I'm saying it's community mm-hmm. to keep the school safe. It's more than just the building and the structure in the 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. Mm-hmm. Right. There's there's far more going on in schools yeah. than that. But, <clears throat> you know, I did not understand the until we actually got together with you and started talking about the trafficking side of things. I did not understand how much was going on. I did not understand a lot of of what was involved with that and uh, you know there's there's a certain amount of competitiveness yeah okay it can go on in Red Oak but it yeah. can't go on in Frisco yeah. well yeah but you only think that because you don't understand the scale correct 
you don't understand that this is happening everywhere. And once you take the blinders off that and are willing to admit that it's happening everywhere, maybe you get a little bit more compliance with those duty to report that, yeah. that even the, the superintendents have a duty to report. Yeah, it, you know, whatever you know. we do as a, as a measure, evil has a countermeasure. It's working on a countermeasure. And we will. We, we, we talk to pimps that are arrested and traffickers and Johns, the buyers that are arrested. You know, and, and they'll go, they watch policy. We had a trafficker read the girls that he was trafficking the law. Read them the law. And say, here's the law. This is why I won't go to jail. This is why your voice doesn't matter. This is brazen. It's not even. So then when you have a school district that go, we don't report. But he as a trafficker, no. He knows they're trafficking in Frisco. Right. He knows because he's doing it. And he goes, they're issuing it. It's like, boys, this is a playground. Come on. And it's an invitation Mm -hmm. almost. Versus, I'll never forget, we were doing a, a, an event in the entertainment business in Nashville, Tennessee. Nashville has a thing every year called Fanfare. And it's when all the top country stars are in Nashville. They're on Broadway, Lower Broad, Second Avenue, and, and there's stages everywhere. I mean, it's everywhere. About a million people roll in for, for a week. And it's concert on concert on concert. It is a bad law <clears throat> enforcement situation. <laughs> there's a lot of alcohol. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's people who think it's Vegas. They bring their stuff. They bring their demons out the closet and all their different personalities. It's mm-hmm. just not good. And it's packed shoulder to shoulder. It's in the street. And you're in Nashville. You know, you're second federal, then you're in Tootsie's. I mean, it's back to back to back. And it's just, it's not a good situation. One year, things go real bad. And when it goes bad in an environment like that, it's chaos. Right. The roads are blocked off. You can't get to them. The next year, and it went really, really bad, okay? This is the year Steve McNair got shot. The quarterback of the Titans got shot by a lover, shot in his heart that year, same year. The next year, we're downtown for the same event, and I'm part of the entertainment world, and we're doing events, and all of a sudden, all the cops are on horseback. The whole city. You cannot miss them. Where the previous year, you couldn't find a cop. They were there. But you right. couldn't, you couldn't in the crowd, you couldn't find the cop. The next year, these dudes look like they're on Clydesdales. I mean, they're on 18 hand mm-hmm. horses, and crime went through the floor mm-hmm. right. that year because the presence was there. Yeah. Right. What a Someone, someone's watching. You know, like just take the guy from his feet, mm-hmm. put him on a horse. And they were just sitting on the horse. That it wasn't even. It was. They weren't bullhorning. There wasn't. It was just. They're watching. I see him. Crime goes down. Mm-hmm. Not a shot fired. Nothing. Right. No aggression. No tear gas, rubber bullets. Just visibility. Yeah. And and that tells us something about why schools should have armed officers. Mm-hmm. Yes. Trained officers. Visibility. You go to a guy's yard and it says protected by ADT. You know, he's messaging. Yeah. Right. Like, hey, it works. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a little bit more difficult to get into this place. And they're looking right. for low bar entry. Yep. Right. You know, lowest common denominator. Not the least resistance. Maslow's yeah. hierarchy of needs. Where do I break in? But it's so simple and it works. 
and then we get to schools and it's not there. Mm-hmm. Right. Because we we have we want our schools to look safe and friendly. That, and that, but that's the thing. We don't the and appearance. I've heard that. We right. don't want this presence here because we look unsafe. I'm like, no, the opposite happens. Yeah. Right. Did you see, um, I, I, Rebecca, can you pull up? It's a group of African-American fathers. Um, maybe maybe we don't have time today to pull it up. But check it out. The audience, check it out. There's a group of African-American fathers that's, that just decided to go into a school mm-hmm. and just be, be on the halls of the school right. for yeah. class. I, I did see that. Mm-hmm. Red shirts. I think they right. wore red shirts. Yeah. The, the presence. And then the boys, their sons would say, man, we're in a fight at school. The teachers were saying, hey, yeah. much less, you know, disobedience, just present. So where can people find you if you want them to find you? How can people support you? So they can go to allegianceproject.org, allegianceproject.org. They can reach out to us directly at info at allegianceproject.org. Um, you can find Steve, you can find Checkmate Training Group, all, all of our guys in, in the, uh, the uh, training department with links to, to their websites in the About Us page. Um, so everything is there. Um, you know, our, our, our biggest need are supporters. Okay. We, we need volunteers. We need funding um, because, you know, every time we, we have this conversation, even with concerned parents, uh, there's this almost sigh of re- relief where, oh, good, someone's doing that. And, right. And, well, as society, we want that. We want a guy to a, a guy to go to the White House and solve family problems. Mm-hmm. Like, right. No, not yeah. gonna happen. But then they don't think. Okay. Well, they 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 can't do that if there isn't support from yeah. the community. Yeah. yeah no. And that's, that's the whole again, basis. Again, I get back to it's yeah. it's communal. Guys, right. thank you so yeah. much for being on the bottom line. We appreciate you very much. Well, thank you very much. Um, we really appreciate you. the time. I'll learn how to support you more. Thank I appreciate you. you. God thank bless you. you. God, God bless you. you. Bye. Right.